I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which this recording takes place, the Wadundi and Bububun people of Woodachup in the southwest Bujara region in Nungabuja, also known as Margaret River. I acknowledge their continuing connection to the land, waters and community. I pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hey there, welcome back to the Men, Sex and Pleasure podcast. This is episode number 55. I'm your host, Cam Fraser. We're talking all things masculinity, sexuality, male bodies and men's experiences of pleasure. Went on a bit of a hiatus for the last two weeks. You might have noticed that no new episodes have come out. And that is because my partner just gave birth to our newborn son. And it was... It was quite an intense experience and in the months to come, I'm sure as my partner becomes comfortable with it, we'll share our birth story with everyone and I'm excited to uh, explore more offerings with regards to fatherhood and parenthood and just kind of share things uh, with regards to sexuality and the work that I do and how it relates to raising a child, um, particularly a son. Um, he's happy and healthy. Mum is happy and healthy. Uh, and that's all I can really ask for at the moment. So I just took two weeks off social media and um, off my uh, work responsibilities to drop into that birth and uh, newborn baby bubble with her and him. And we've just uh, just kind of come out of it and we're inviting people to come over and visit uh, here in in southwest of Western Australia. So I'm excited to get back into the podcast and I've got an exciting guest and conversation to start us back off again. Uh, I'm chatting on this podcast and this episode with Orsa Bhav, the founder of Taylor Matched, which is a nationwide thought leader in romantic and sexual compatibility in the UK. As a matchmaker, coach, and speaker, Orsa is on a mission to remove taboo from sexual desires and create the freedom to own your wants and needs in life and in the bedroom. The two of us, we talk about her matchmaking agency, like I said, Taylor Matched, and how it all came about. I know a lot of coaches who go into coaching and offering workshops and things like that, but I don't know a lot of coaches that go into creating a whole matchmaking agency. So I found that quite intriguing and also shares some of her uh, approach. She shares about her approach to matchmaking uh, and and how it's a little bit different than other online dating companies and and services. And, And we also chat about the stigma surrounding online dating as well. So you can find Orsa uh, on Instagram at Coach with Orsa, and that's Orsa spelled A-S-A. And you can find Taylor Matched, which is her matchmaking agency, on Instagram at Taylor Matched. Like I said, this was a pretty intriguing conversation for me, and I had quite an enjoyable time, learned a lot, and I hope you enjoy listening. It is the teacher's duty to enlighten their students on the commonly accepted standards of sexual behavior. These sperm cells are carried through the tubes in a thick colorless liquid called semen and at certain times are expelled through the penis. Side effects include headache, flushing, upset stomach, and abnormal vision. To avoid long-term injury, seek immediate medical help for an erection lasting more than four hours. Yeah, I'll get on to the first question, which is not much of a question, actually. It's more of an invitation. And the invitation is, um, I'd love to invite you to share a little bit about yourself, a little bit about the uh, work that you're doing, and maybe why you're so passionate about this work as well. I'd love to hear people's passions. So the floor is yours for a couple of minutes. I'd love to hear from you. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, So my name is uh, Orsa. Uh, I'm the founder of Taylor Matched, uh, which is a matchmaking agency in London. And we match people on overall compatibility, so life compatibility and sexual preferences. Um, I'm also a coach and I'm also a speaker. So I speak about um, sex, intimacy, dating and relationships uh, all day long, uh, which I feel so passionate about because everything that's being built within Taylor Match is really 
from my heart because it's a reflection of my life and my when I refer to my previous life it's because I have done quite the journey over the last five years so everything that you see that is within the agency now it's always in mind of the uh, challenges that I've had in the past, pains that I have in the past where I couldn't meet myself as deeply as I do now. And I want to support men and women to be on that journey with me. So Taylor Mash was really born out of a place whereby I felt that in the past I tend to meet men that I was compatible with in life. So we were good life partners. However, we didn't have the intimacy. We didn't have the sexual compatibility. Over time, it was the feels like we're friends, you know, we could be siblings, you know, I love you, but not in that way. Mm. Um, I therefore felt that, okay, the intimate part and the um, sexual compatibility is something that's very important to me. I therefore went out in the world and I dated with this in mind and found that. However, in that relationship that I felt that we were very sexually compatible, we were not compatible in life. And I kind of came to this point where I was like, oh, I keep going from one end to the other and what's going on within myself to be like I'm attracting certain partners um, and why isn't the dating industry really talking about the both aspects? So we're not saying that sexual compatibility is more important than life compatibility. We're saying that they are equally important and we're providing a platform for fee people to really speak openly about it and have you know, um, liberating conversations and finding themselves more and just what's important to them. And then we match them with people on a similar journey to themselves and with similar or uh, the same sexual preferences, which is some really beautiful work. Mm. Um, and with that as well, I have personally been on a massive journey from, I used to be um, commercial director, the first female board director for the one of the largest PR agencies in the UK. And I was very successful in my career. I left everything behind, including myself for a six-figure salary. Turned out that money doesn't make you happy if you have not looked at the other aspects of your life. Uh, that resulted in a breakdown. And I realized how much I had pretty much since I was born been in my masculine always producing, achieving, and so I did, but I ignored my own needs and, and wants and desires and, you know, health um, behind. So I therefore decided to uh, become a coach so I can support others who may feel that their energetic poles are very in the masculine, especially when I coach with women, um, and create more of a balance and really help them to meet themselves on everything that they need and everything that they want, but don't really dare to admit to themselves. So it's some really, some real beautiful work. And I'm so passionate about it because I have come out the other end. Uh, sometimes I can sound a bit cheesy, but you know, I walk the talk and I'm still doing so. And it's beautiful to meet men and women who can identify with that and have challenges that I have had in the past. And they are so ready to, uh, you know, to set themselves free, as I talk about a lot, and just, you know, uh, have a life that is meaningful and fulfilling to to mm. them. So that's what we facilitate. Yeah, lovely. Thank you so much for sharing. I um, yeah, I can hear the the passion and enthusiasm in your voice as you're sharing. So I really like that. And I'm I'm curious because I know a lot of I've, I've interviewed a lot of you know coaches and sexuality professionals on my podcast, and a lot of them they're friends, colleagues. But hardly any of them, it, none of them have decided to go down the route of like building an app or a website for, you know, for dating and connecting people. And I'm wondering what, what particularly spurred that on to go down that route and create this kind of platform for you? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I felt that it was a... Um when I started looking at, so first of all, it came from a need from myself to understand that the life compatibility and sexual compatibility are equally important. Um, and then I started looking at um, the dating industry and go, right, where do companies speak about these with an equal manner, you know? And when I was 
in a relationship, um, my previous relationship, I was with, you know, my single friends. And I was like, come on, it's so fun to swipe. It's fun. Let's swipe. Look at this guy. Oh, this guy got a dog. Yeah, this looks so nice. <laughs> and then it was all fun and games until I became single and I was on dating apps. And I thought, oh, my goodness, there are so many people, you know, the paradox of choice. How do I know if we have the same intentions? How do I know if we have the same relationship goals? What are their values? What are mine values? You know, all these questions that I never really asked myself in the past. So there was a lot of strands that came towards, A, I feel and know it is important to speak about both aspects. So I would love to um, have a community whereby we can speak about exactly that. Apps have never worked for me. I'm not one for social, really, um, in terms of like uh, dating apps and, and online forums and, and things like that. I have been meeting people often, you know, offline and being able to, you know, attract men and women in bars and, and all of that. And I felt I would love for this community to not go through an app. So how can we facilitate offline introductions and how can we get people to meet others uh, who are like-minded to them on the same wavelength in person straight away type thing mm -hmm. uh, rather than hiding um I'm not saying everyone is hiding where you can be a bit, um, you know, we have a profile and then we might put off to actually meet up. So, mm -hmm. you know, real chemistry can can happen, you know, behind the screen. We also see there is a lot of what we call fantasy connections. So I wanted to really, offline has always been a massive thing to me. It's always worked for me. So I wanted to bring that in and then really start to go, right, let's, let's smash people on these things that I find important. And the more I spoke about this, I met so many men and women who found the same and really refreshing is the word that comes up a lot. The fact that we are not an app mm. so it's all uh, traditional matchmaking with a massive twist whereby we speak about sex oh beautiful um for people that don't know what's the difference between like the traditional matchmaking model versus the kind of swipe uh instantaneous kind of click model and those types of apps what's the difference yeah, so one of the major differences is the fact that we really take the time to get to know everyone who has an interest in joining. So what we do, we always have, uh, well, nowadays it's a Zoom call. Um, otherwise, we will meet with people in person. So we take the time, you know, what attracted you to the agency? How's your dating life? What are your learnings? What are you hoping to, to achieve with your dating journey? Who are you looking to meet? What's important to you? So we have, a, it's probably half an hour, 40 minutes chat about who are you and what's important to you, which people find and amazing to just be able to speak very freely about what's important to them and what we do after that we have a um, way in how we match people so that goes in depth you know I am a sucker for data however algorithms is you know not our friend all the time and uh, it can only get you so much so it is layered with personal one-to-one -one conversation between me and them and um, sometimes from the matchmaking team and them as well so we truly get to know people and we can also help them what we say uh, troubleshoot okay so we have a some people they don't know what they want and others they have a massive list on, on everything that they want so we can also help them to refine okay so you say that this that and the other is very important to you what about if we met someone who had this and that but not the third thing you were talking would you be interested to meet them would you be interested to talk to them so it's helping them to narrow down towards what is really important than non-negotiables and why really coming back to the value so it's a bit of a awareness exercise for themselves as well to kind of come into what is important and why is this important so they can connect with like-minded people um as well so that's the the main difference i would say is really the the human connection yeah. um, and we see you as a person and sometimes it can be that okay we have um, a couple of people we have in mind we go due to their profiles 
um, seems like a high match. Okay, this is strong compatibility. But then we always have to ask ourselves, all right, well, we have met these people. Do we feel like the energy is similar? Can we see them really in a room together? Could we see that their vibration is similar? And if not, it's no point putting them forward, whereby an algorithm could just like come up with, oh, you have a strong compatibility or this is a match, uh, mm. you know, what is it based on? And there are things that you can never get from, from data. So we, we add the, the human connection and really speak and see people for who they are, you know, which is really yeah. beautiful. Yeah, there's that element of like human intuition, right? Which is what I'm getting here is, is like tuning into people and getting like a vibe and be like, you know, what do, do these people really look like they seem, you know, like that they would fit together? And that's like where my next question is, is like, who is on this matchmaking team of yours? Um, you don't have to give any specific details and names, but like, how are you kind of uh, curating those matches? Like what's, what goes into picking those people on that team to go, you know, who, who are they to, to be able to make those decisions, I suppose, is the question I'm getting at. Yeah, exactly. So um, within the team, they're constantly uh, growing, which is really beautiful as well. So um, I have my uh, business partner who have been in the dating industry for over 10 years. So she's a international um, matchmaker and come with a wealth of experience. Um, so there is from, from that end of the spectrum um, towards um, team members who have always had an interest, I guess a bit like myself, you know, I'm a self-acclaimed matchmaker now, you know, five years ago I ran a PR agency you know it's the world of difference uh, so I really created um, you know this this work through through passion so we also meet with um, men and women who have had a similar journey so they understand the pain points that our members um, have and have gone through in the past they've had a or have a real passion for matching people they might have like i did in the past you know have often matched uh, friends oh i've met this person you know you should speak to so and so it's been the same in business you know always had an eye for putting people together whether that was business wise or outside business and um, i have friends who i put together in the past for like dating or even saying um you are interested in this, this, and this, you have to listen to this podcast, you have to go to this event. So others who have a similar or the same passion within that as well is the human aspect, you know, we can look at if they have represented a matchmaking agency, which is amazing. And I would say it's more importantly with that they understand our members' journey and their pen pain points and have a real passion for connecting people, you know, from the, on things that matters. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for, for speaking into that. I appreciate it. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, you've mentioned sexual compatibility a bit and that being like something that really sets you guys apart from the competition. And I'm wondering, how do you at Taylor Match define sexual compatibility? What does that actually mean? Mm. So um, how we do match members is through what we call the suitability um, profile. So within this is over 160 questions, which sounds very labor intensive, but it's a very <laughs> nice user experience. It's a lot of like drop down boxes and things like that. So within the um, sexual compatibility, it's um, I would it's probably 70, 75 questions, which um, refers to everything about, you know, how do we get in the mood for lovemaking? Um, you know, um, how often would we like to have sex? What would our ideal sex life look like? And it goes into questions such as, I would like to do this to my partner. I would like my partner to do this to me. And there are a range in scales as well as whether we have done it or not in the past. We speak very often to members that these questions are geared towards your desires, fantasies and what you would like to do. You don't have to have done it in the past for it to count. The reason why we speak about this is because the pretty much everyone, I would say, 100% of the community, it's a strong statement, but I think I'm going to put my name behind <laughs> that, would love to explore more. They just haven't found the foundation of trust. Mm. They haven't met themselves on a level whereby they are ready to open up and speak about it. So they have worked around removing shame, for example. And um, so this is um, how we match. So it's a lot of 
different questions consisting from everything was like what type of music would you like to listen to during lovemaking if any mm. or you know what's your attitude towards spanking choking orgies vanilla sex outside public you know you name it so it yeah. really goes uh, really deep dressing up um so it goes into all sorts of questions to understand where where does the sexual desires lie and where are their fantasies what would they love to to explore more of and mm. then we would um go into looking at other profiles with the similarity and then we start to build from from there uh, but it's yeah it's not an algorithm so it doesn't just pop up we do have all the data but it's a search function mm. based on the first conversation that we have um with members and then we go deeper into into that profile so it's some some real interesting uh data as i said i'm you know sucker for data and i guess i now created the like sexiest um uh you know, spreadsheets and, and data um, uh, functions uh, yeah. that there is and uh, trust me to to do that. Yeah, I love that. And I love the idea of like asking all these really potent, pertinent questions. I, I do an exercise with couples um, called the yes, no, maybe exercise, which is just like a, a PDF list of just all these sexual activities and indicating whether you're a yes or you're a no or you're a maybe or like maybe in your fantasies, but you don't want to act it out in real life and all these different ways of thinking about um, sexual behaviors and activities. And, um, and so that's something I really, um, lean on a lot when I work with couples, but I'm, I'm wondering where do your questions come from? Like who came up with those questions? Did you consult therapists or just have a, you know, a, a whiteboard full of all these random things that you wanted to know? Like, where did you come from those questions? Yeah. So I, when I knew about three, four, three, four years ago, I just knew that I wanted to, I knew I wanted to leave my career, so I did that. I wanted to take some time out to just understand and kind of meet myself uh, for the first time in, in 30 years. And I then knew that I wanted to work with dating and sex and love. I had no idea how to do that. So I was just, you know, started brainstorming. I went to this um, talk um years ago and it was a professor who was there and he spoke about um compatibility and he's done a lot of research so he's a professor so he's done years of research talking to married couples and divorced couples about what held them together or what made them um decide to part ways and he was told it was the you know you can go to conferences and it's like the last talk of the day and you're like I want to go to it, but I could also just, you know, go down the pub or I could go home. But I thought, no, I really, really had this pull towards going to this talk. So I did. And he was talking and I was, of course, listening, but half listening until he started saying that if couples differ on our attitude towards how we view porn, whether or not we want to introduce a third party to um, into our relationship sexually or like in terms of polyamory um, whether we want to have a family. And that's when I my ears really pricked up and I was like, oh, hang on. So the sexual compatibility is very, very important. And when we're talking about porn and, you know, whether we want to have a threesome or orgy or several people within the relationship, this is really crucial. And it was from that. So I approached him and I said, I would love to understand more about your study and how you came to these conclusions and the data that you have. And from that, it really spurred on a lot of beautiful conversations with professors. And um, I had conference calls in the UK and it was um, this guy in California. And I was like, hey, my name is Miss Orsa. I'm not really sure, you know, what I'm doing right now, but <laughs> I really have a pull towards this. I see you've done a, done a lot of um, market research when it came to um, life compatibility and sexual compatibility and I would love to know more of your work so it was through conversations about knowing from professors that this was very important for couples to talk about very early and I guess before that is to have a conversation with yourself before you start dating mm -hmm. uh, if you're in a relationship to have those conversations because this equal you know how much we're on the same page on things that are really important for longevity um 
So we started with speaking to many professors around their work, uh, having a look at some of the questions that they knew was very important. That got layered with my um, own experience. We did uh, market research as well to pull it in kind of focus groups around, okay, what do, have a look at these questions. Do you think anything should be added? Can you relate? Is this something that you feel is, you know, dated? Um, and from that, um, we started to add towards these um, questions that eventually became the suitability profile. So it's mm. been it's been quite the journey. And I am from market research background, so I really understand the importance of that um, as well. And when the questions was first developed, I thought, oh, it's is it too much to maybe ask people whether they would love to, you know, um, have anal sex? Is it is it too much to ask people whether they want to be spanked or choked? And of course, this is you know three four years ago when I started, and now I look at the questions. Now it's like we have to go deeper. It doesn't <laughs> go into you know explicit enough, but of course, you know that was me years and years ago. So we continue to update and to reflect feedback from clients to understand you know the landscapes and. And, you know, my journey from as a matchmaker, you get to speak to hundreds of people. As a coach, I speak to hundreds of people. I do talk on behalf of sex positive brands. So I get a lot of interactions every day. So it's a very fortunate way to then also be able to, to always look at the questions mm. um, and see how we can make them really sharp and meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Is there is there resistance to people answering those questions? Do people get a little bit like, oh, I don't know how I feel about being asked that? Is there any like of that coming up? No, it's not actually. Um, people are really and um, really open. And when they speak to me, uh, they, you know, download what's important. They don't have to speak about their sexual preferences then because we have certain aspects that will, that will look after that anyway. But a lot of people choose to do. And I was like, happy days, let's talk about this. And sometimes people get very excited and they, they speak a lot and then they go, oh, hang on. Oh my, why am I telling you this? I've just started to, <laughs> I don't know who you are. I can see your face and you seem nice, but I don't know. And I go, it's okay. You know, it's very important that we speak it out loud so we can, again, like we connect with why it is important. Maybe we thought in our minds that it was important. And then when we speak about it, actually, no, it didn't have the same vibration that I thought uh, it mm -hmm. was. So yeah, so people are very open and people that we attract they like ready yes yeah where has this been in the past I'm, I'm so ready to speak about this i'm ready to meet people i'm ready to meet people deeper and what i mean by that when i say that in that sentence is let's have open conversations we understand that we are humans you know shame comes into play it may be that we feel really shy you know we practiced a conversation in our head and it sounds really good and then we're in front of the <laughs> our our person and we're like oh i feel really shy right now mm. um however they are ready something within them just feel like i'm ready to let go of my fear and step into what's important to me inside outside the bedroom so yeah so people are people are ready which is really beautiful so i really feel like we could probably continue to to add questions and go even deeper yeah yeah i definitely resonate with that like it's almost like a selection bias like people uh, when i start talking like they've already they're already coming to the workshop so they're already kind of interested in sexuality they already have a little bit of openness and so when i start just inviting that sharing people are just eager to share the eager to talk about it. and it's it's you know i can't especially guys like there's typically you know the stereotype that guys don't want to talk about these things and that's quite taboo and stigma stigmatized for them which it is but when i create spaces for like men to feel comfortable and to talk to me about things i can't shut them up they they want to keep on talking and have these conversations and i think it's because um as you kind of shared before there's no one is really doing that. No one's really creating those spaces for people to actually open up and share about what they're looking for and to, to explore their fantasies and to do it in like a really comfortable setting. Um, and that's something that I, um, that I like to see more of as those sex positive spaces where people can just kind of celebrate those things that they find pleasurable and celebrate the things that they're kind of into and aroused by. I think there's like a lot of healing to be done in, in celebrating those things rather than like, uh, and here's where I want to lead into my other question, which is like the, 
the the shaming of dysfunctions and the shaming of like things that you know are taboo and and kind of stigmatized and, and so i'm wondering do you ask any questions or is there any line of questioning around like i'll speak from like the male perspective around like erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation or anything that maybe kind of is concerning for their sexuality that that, that they're kind of worried about when they're getting matched up with someone um, yes, we do have those conversations. So um, because I am a um, certified coach and I have always coached men and women, I always believe in like, you know, who's your higher self? Let's go for that. Uh, it's just that now I do it within people's love lives, which mm-hmm. is so much more meaningful um, to me. A, I can therefore pick up if I feel like there is an incongruency with what they're saying and if it's something that they... I feel like they want to say something and they don't. So I can then again, create space for them to open up a bit more or um, help them to, you know, if there is something else you would like to share, just like clever questioning in Mm. terms of just seeing if they allow themselves to meet me there. And so that means that I can um, really start talking about it within the, um, when we get to know them, if they feel like this runs deeper, then um, we have um, brand ambassadors uh, who work with shame and we have men coaches. So they, therefore we make tailored recommendation based on what I understand from what they have told me or the team, which is really beautiful. So it's just a loving referral, you know, yes, we can help you. Thank you for sharing. You could speak to the experts in that area and we also do it through workshops and um, so I run workshops and we also invite other sex educators um, who wants to speak on the platform so we um, talk about uh, you know the pressures of sexual performance and um, I remember when I went to a talk years ago um it's been a lot to happen in the last five years since I left my previous career. This is why I keep going years ago, because I actually don't know whether it's like two years or four years. But X amount of years ago, I went to a talk and um, there was a few men on the panel who were speaking about sexual performance. This is the first time I had ever heard a conversation where men spoke about sex on stage uh, in a very healthy open way they spoke about sexual performance and they were speaking one thing that really stuck with me was that they said it as an example there was like ladies um uh, in the audience um think about every time you've thought about okay how do i look uh, naked what about if i when i'm on top of a guy what does my tummy look like when i lie on my side what does my tummy look like then you know i could really really strongly relate to that and then he said as much as you think about your body and what your stomach area looks like that's exactly how many times a man would think about his penis and his performance and mm. i was like my God, that's all the time then, (laughs) you know, sometimes (laughs) that would be, you know, wrapped Mm. up in like 85% of, you know, the, the conscious time that you're trying to really create and be present. So that is when I, so it's been a massive learning curve for me to step into um, others shoes and, you know, men in particular to understand what are your challenges? Where do you feel like you are in your head constantly so you can't be in your body so so a i always educate myself to bring people that i feel can facilitate those conversations to uh, the platform um, and we make recommendations um so often as well to ensure that they could speak with someone that we know can truly help them mm, yeah thank you for that i am and i like the the whole idea of being open and upfront like as early as possible something like i don't do a lot of dating coaching i'm not um like it's not my passion and i've been out of the dating game for a while now five years so i don't feel like i've got a lot of lived experience with it so um but if someone does ask me particularly guys if they ask me about like dating advice typically the only general rule of advice that i'll give them is if you're looking for something in particular from a relationship or from dating or from a sexual experience like be upfront and honest and have integrity when you're kind of sharing that as early as possible in a relationship and one of the reasons or like one of the examples i give is like if a guy's interested in like open relationships or polyamory for example and he's and he's dating he's single when he's and he's you know looking for partners is share that 
earlier on if you're you know in that that dating process or that kind of um early relationship process because but i mean firstly in a practical sense it's going to save a lot of time you know you're not going to be wasting this other person's time you know several months down the line you eventually tell them you're interested in open relating and they're like oh actually that's not something i'm interested in um and so you've just wasted however many months um you know in a real practical sense but also it like something that is and i'll generalize here but something that is quite attractive not only for for men but attractive in a person is someone who's like who owns their sexuality who owns their you know who's not kind of who doesn't who doesn't not know themselves i suppose right who someone who's like able to be confident in their like in their understanding of their sexual self and who can kind of comfortably invite you to have those conversations as well and if you're kind of open about that it shows a lot of integrity it shows a lot of like um, comfortability in your own skin um, and just familiarity with your sexual self in general um, which tends to be quite inviting for people right especially if they need to feel a little bit timid if you can be like confident and say hey this is actually something i'm looking for from a relationship and they might be like oh i'm actually looking for that as well great cool let's explore that together or they might say oh wow that's actually not something i'm very interested in you can be like, great, cool. Um, it was lovely to meet you. Have a nice life. You know, I wish you all the best. And you can kind of head on your separate ways. So, um, so I love the idea of like having all of this information up front and being like, hey, this is what I'm open to and this is what I'm interested in and here's what I'm passionate about. And um, you know, as opposed to seeing a photo on a screen and making a snap decision in about three seconds, I, I, they're, they're worlds apart in, in my mind. So I love that idea. Yeah, and within this process, if I may call it that as an unsexy word, but let's go for that. It's almost like re-educating people back to that we're actually human beings. Yeah. So it's, it's people that are, you know, really kind and they, you know, it's, it's good people. They have just been in the dating app game for so long that whether they like to or not, they've come into a mentality where it is like, you know, next mentality and they really struggle to be present with, you know, themselves or with someone else. And they really recognize it once they start to date differently. And they were like, wow, I didn't know that I was going to judge a person so quickly. Oh, I didn't do, used to do that in the past. So it's almost like a unlearning process as well from from totally. dating apps and and as or like how we interact with humans you know and beyond um, mm. a picture and and what we look like and as you say as well to be really upfront from the get-go may feel like you are limiting your pool of people however when we are clear it's like that pool of people it's the right pool of people. Why would you want to yeah. play in a wider pool with people that's not for you? Or like, mm. you know, we second guess. Tell me, tell me what they want and I'll do everything. Okay, well, that's cool. How long are you going to keep that up for? Yeah. You know, yeah. you can only keep it up for so long and you start to feel like, and then, you know, I'm sure you, you get this um, a lot. And then one day people wake up and they're like, I don't know who this pe person is. Mm. I don't know who this woman looking back at me in the mirror has become and it's like okay you know whose life are you living yeah totally yeah what's what's the point of casting such a wide net if you know the majority of the the fish in that net right to use that you know plenty of fish in the sea analogy uh, are not the fish for you you know what i mean like you know if you're casting that kind of smaller net the more niche net and finding people that you are definitely going to resonate with i think um there's a lot of value in that and um, that kind of leads me to a question then what is the demographic of people that are using Tailor match and using your service. What what type of people are uh, are you connecting with? Yeah, so we work with um, men and women over thirty. Um, I know age is just a number, um, but we did put that there because we speak about sexual compatibility. So we hoping with that that it allows people to have tried a couple of things, you know, uh, come into their own and what is important to them and they can communicate that and also what they are not into, more importantly. Mm. Um, so we work with uh, men and women, 30 plus. Uh, we tend to work with uh, people in London, um, single professionals, you know, all walks of life, all various backgrounds. Uh, and what they have in common is uh, two words, uh, dating differently <laughs> is something that comes up um, a 
lot. Um, so that's so that's the demographic. Um, so the main ages, I would say, it's yeah, like thirty to fifty-five. Uh, tend to be um, people that that we work with, and um, yeah, it's all um, it's all backgrounds and various careers and various walks of life. And mm. um, but it's it's beautiful that we continue to attract people who are on one somewhere on their own journey in terms of personal development and self-development and it's this has been something that's been always important to me so I guess you know naturally I would attract that type of person uh, which means that it is more levels of awareness you know I'm not saying that they were perfect oh and I would tailor match community they know everything about themselves and are so enlightened you know all the time and you know wouldn't that be wonderful (laughs) but there is a there is a willingness to take the steps towards that mm-hmm. um which which is really nice as well so i would say that that's that's the main thing yeah and is it is it exclusively for heterosexual couples or is it for people that are lgbtq for people that are polyamorous like what's the the range of diversity uh, we tend to work with people who are heterosexual yeah. um, mainly that it tends to be um, who we attract and that comes to the agency um, however there is no discrimination um, if you're not heterosexual it's just we will let them know that uh, the pool of people that we work with tend to be these demographics however what we always say as matchmakers is that we do proactive searches um, again I'm going to do an unsexy example but it's like mm-hmm. how kind of people can relate to 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 this it's like think about like um you're looking for a job and you can go and you can search through three thousand jobs and send your cv to absolutely everyone or we'd have like a recruitment agency type thing that would actively headhunt for people that suits the job role so -hmm. that's how we work as well we actively search for um suitors that would be highly compatible to them and their needs so it doesn't mean that we need to have exactly that profile on our books because we go out and uh, and find them anyway um within the uh, polyamorous um demographic that is something that we are building uh, and more and more people are coming to us i've done a lot of talks around um alternative relationship styles um, and this is a conversation i am really involved in Mm. Uh, and again it's having a very um honest conversation you know and this is what i practice and preach uh, about you know this is what our pool of members look like however we can still um support you in your dating journey um by proactively looking for candidates who are you know compatible to yourself but it tends to be heterosexual um people that we that we work with for now yeah nice nice well i i like the idea that you're open to to like feedback and to expanding the pool and to incorporating more um because i think that's necessary as well as people especially as we kind of like i've seen a general trend i'll say um towards like non-traditional relationships you know what i mean like there was this very strict idea of you know monogamous relationships and then also this very strict idea of what a monogamous relationship looked like and now there's like okay cool we can still be a monogamous relationship but then there's like you know this idea that i can still get my needs met kind of elsewhere but still being in you know uh, this new understanding of what you know reframed monogamy looks like and um and then the the you know there's always been kind of people in alternative non-traditional relationships but now there's a bit more um acceptance of that and a little less stigma obviously it's still stigma but um yeah having that encouragement for people to be open about those relationships as well so i love that you know there's the the inclusion there Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's so important. And again, because we talk to everybody, mm. uh, we understand that. Okay, so um, you would love to explore an open relationship. Uh, so it's not by catching anyone out. It's by really open the conversations to be like, you know, why is this important to you? Have you got any experience? All right. So then again, we can support them because we also come across a lot of people who are new in their exploration of alternative um, relationship styles. So therefore I can say to them, all right, well, you know, 
I've written a blog about it. Have a look. You know, these uh, would be my recommendations for what to speak about because open could also mean 110 things, you know, is depending yeah. on what's important to you. So we can also help them to, again, as I mentioned in the beginning, like troubleshoot. Okay, why is this important to you? What would an open relationship look like? Have you had any experience before as to... Um, I was going to say prepare them, but I guess it's educating and slash preparing for what to think about, you know, dare I say like best practices, because it's, it's mm. not a hard and fast rule, is it? Which sometimes can get confusing for people. So I want to be open. Okay. What does open look like? Would yeah. this be okay? Would that be okay? No. Okay. That's fine. We just need to get to what's important. Um, to you and we also have more couples coming to us who are and have been um open for many years um who are we i spoke to a couple only last week and they were like oh we would both love to join you know i would love to meet so and so and she would love to meet so and so i was like oh this is such a great conversation to have um and be able to facilitate that so yeah so very much growing with the more People we continue to attract, the more we want to grow and make sure that we can support people on the dating journey because they are not doing apps and they know what they want. And it's like, okay, let's, let's, um, as my colleague would say, uh, let's collaborate in love. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious about um, uh, percentages of men versus women and. Uh, because I kind of, I don't know off the top of my head and I haven't looked this up, but I have this suspicion, I suppose, or maybe it's a projection that um, more men than women would use dating apps, would use these types of services. And um, again, that's just a blatant stereotype here. I've got no evidence to, to tell me otherwise or to, to back that up. So I'm curious to know, is there more men than women on this, on your service, on Taylor Matched, or what's the statistics for it? Um, so it's actually slightly more women. Um, and apparently this is um, very common uh, within um, the industry. Wow. Um, so when we started out, it was very skewed towards women. Um, but that was very normal. And then it has over time leveled out. So I would say it's probably... 65 percent uh women um so it's it's quite and this is something that we've been very mindful i knew and was told from the get-go that the challenge would be to um, attract men mm. um so this is something that we've been very mindful of collaborations who bring in what we talk about to make them feel safe and okay that you have not failed as a man if you choose to date differently and want to work with matchmakers to help you um, find your match. And mm. um, you have just chosen to spend your time differently. Uh, so it's a huge education piece. And I would say, especially for men um, that I have come across anyway, that feel like, what do you make it mean about yourself if you were to use and work with a matchmaker? So it can be like this. Um, and I know, you know, from, from friends and my partners, um, you know, um, from what he has said as well, that he knows people who have met through a matchmaker, but they didn't tell them until years later. So oh, it is right. a huge, well, yeah, there is, is quite a lot of stigma still around matchmaking because some people would make that mean that they have somehow failed um, and are incapable of. Um, so, so there is, again, it's an education process and why it is so important that we actually speak to people to understand, you know, what's going on for you and what's holding you back to give you a serious chance of a speaking freely about who you are, what you want, what's important and meeting other people. I was like, if you, uh, someone told me the, the other day, don't know if you agree with, with the ego. It's like, if we can just say to ourselves, I'm okay to, I'm okay with looking, potentially looking a little bit silly in order to get what I want. So this is something I've started asking, like, are you prepared to look a little bit silly in order to get what you actually really want in life? They are like, yes. Because yeah. when you put it like that, mm. that I, you know, and that's not once they're once they've spoken and once they are in, then they see that it's like just like most things in life, isn't it? It's the fear before doing it that holds us. Uh, once we've stepped into the space, it's like this was fine. Oh, yeah. this is real fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, interesting. Yeah, thank you for for sharing that. And and yeah, I guess it does kind of resonate for me if I think about the things that men have shared with me about their uh, fear of not looking like a man or their fear of kind of being less masculine. And there is this kind of this stigma of like, oh, if you can't get a woman, if you can't, you know, the the term that often is thrown around, if you can't get a girl, right? If you can't pick up a chick then there's you know then there's something wrong with you then you're then you're you're less of a man or you know you, you get your you know you get your man card taken away and um and yeah so i can see that that stigma and that kind of um that mentality being extended to using a a, a dating app and then also using a tailor you know a matchmaking service as well right like even um it, i guess there's like maybe and again i wouldn't be able to back this up but i'm just kind of you know intuitively kind of feeling into this that maybe there's less stigma using a dating app because you yeah there's less investment in it right it's just kind of like oh yeah and it's also just like quite visual based and like the stereotype that men are just kind of interested in looks and and it kind of plays into that narrative of of masculinity um so maybe there's less stigma to kind of go down that route than there is to go down the matchmaking route where you're kind of you know firstly sharing about your emotions and what it is that you're looking for and your values and then kind of putting that into another person's hands as well so super interesting and um and i'm wondering you shared a little bit about the the stigma um from like kind of that men's perspective but is there is there a stigma in society in general about using a matchmaking service have you come up against any of that Yes, um, yes, I have. And I think there is a lot of similarities around the what do we make it mean? It's like, it's a failure if I can't, I'm incapable of, mm. you know, if I can't do X, Y, Z. And I also think this has got to do with when people are on dating apps, some would go, oh, I can't believe I'm not meeting anyone. I'm so active in my dating life okay, uh, you know, tell me what, you know, what are you doing in terms of, um, you know, meeting your, you know, potential future partner? Um, oh, you know, I'm on these three apps. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, how often are you? Like, have you met with anyone? No, you know, I have a lot of conversation. Oh, do you, do you speak over the phone? No, you know, it's a lot of, yeah, we've gone really well. We've spoken online for six months. Okay, mm-hmm. no. And this was before Corona, you know. Oh, you know, you, know, you haven't met. So there is this also, what we see is like, the land of safety. I'm so active in my dating life because I'm on three apps or one app, or I check my app, you know, once I have a notification. And once you speak to a matchmaker, you've actually on a very conscious level said to yourself, this is something that's important to me. You know, I'm choosing Mm. to actively go about my dating life in a different way. And so with this, I think also it can come up again, you know, the fear. Oh, so this is serious. They're going to actually put me in touch. People say, you know, people that are in the land of some people that are in the land of the dating apps. Yeah, I'm really serious about this. I really want to meet someone. And then when we say we can really introduce it to someone that you're highly compatible with, they're like, oh, shit. So from from these introductions that you're going to do, this could be a potential, you know, strong Mm. match for me. And this could be something. Yeah, I could. And they're like, am I ready? Have I done the things in my life? You know, then they almost like start to to second guess themselves because it gets real. Yeah, totally. There's still like a little bit of uh, maybe even more than a little bit of anonymity in those, you know, swiping left and right dating um, style apps because, like you, you've got so many characters to write a you know description of your personality, then you get five photos, and it's like that's that's it. You know, a couple of interests, and and you know, you make a snap judgment. There's that's still pretty much like you're just a, a thing on a screen. You're not a real person, which is what you kind of shared before, right? It's like recognizing the the actual human behind the the you know the the profile, and um, and so I think there is that that little bit of like you get to hide a little bit, and you get to be a bit more anonymous when you're using those types of those types of apps but when you when you invest right and make that energetic shift to to step into a um you know a a matchmaking process like you shared before then you you're kind of bearing your soul right like here's everything that's i'm looking for here's what i'm into here's what i'm not into which is a pretty fucking scary vulnerable thing to do you know like um i i like brene brown's definition of vulnerability which is um emotional exposure uncertainty and risk-taking you know and and to, to kind of, I use this analogy with couples all the time, especially around 
communicating about your sexual desires and your turn-ons and, and your boundaries and, and your limitations. It's like, that's a very vulnerable thing to do because you're, you're, you know, your sexuality is inextricably linked to who you are, regardless of your, if you're hypersexual and very promiscuous or you're um, asexual and, and aromantic and you're not interested in sex at all. Your sexuality is linked to who you are as a person. It's part of your identity. And to then sh- you know, share that and to show up in, in that kind of space with another person and express this part of yourself is you know it, it's it's exposing as hell like you're you're emotionally exposing yourself heaps and, and there's uncertainty in that risk because you don't know how your partner's going to take it you don't know how this person's going to react to you sharing this particular desire that you have or this kink that you might be into right the the risk is like rejection and that rejection of a deep deep part of yourself as well of like god i you know i've just you know express this to no one else in my life you're the kind of only person i've shared this with and now you're saying that i'm weird or that i'm you know gross for wanting this particular thing like it's a it's it's yeah it's a scary thing to do so that that shift that energetic shift is um is kind of what i feel like people are making when they step into like a a matchmaking versus like that swipe left and right um style of quote-unquote dating it's kind of really be called dating um i love that idea of like oh yeah my dating life is so active how many dates have you been on you know before covid it's like yeah i've been on none i've just talked to a couple of people online and it's like can we can we really call that dating is that you know there's a conversation to be had around that as well i think yes yeah absolutely Um, and as you say it's you know to um have the courage to step into vulnerability and then say we wouldn't be met with how we thought a conversation was going to play out it's like we retreat back into like oh shit you know and this is why we and this is why, you know, like I love, I, I, I am always so passionate about how can we enrich that journey? Let's talk mm-hmm. about exactly that. And this is like, um, speaking, like how do you, I'm running an event next week around like owning desires in dating, because it's all very well to be like, these things should be talked about more, talk about them. <laughs> but then it's like, how do I speak about it? And what do I do when this comes up? And how, what do I even do when someone have told me sexual preferences that I am not that's like a no or my yes no maybe list Mm. but I don't want to make them feel bad so how do I feed back you know how do I get more of what I want how do I exercise a boundary how do I even feel into my body about what I want and what I don't want which has been like again massive learning curve for me because for years and years and years, you know, I said yes from my head all the time. And because I was in my masculine, I was like, yes, I can do this. Yes, I can do that. Yeah, I'm strong enough. Yes, I can do that. Mm. That I never knew that, oh, you can say yes and no from your body. But yeah. uh, what does that look like? What does it feel like? Oh, shit, this is a game changer. I thought I was okay with this, but when I feel into it. So there is so many levels to it, isn't it? To, mm. It's a real education. Um, so when I knew that I wanted to to do this work. I had no idea that I was going to do coaching. I had no idea that we were going to do so many events. I had no idea how it was going to, but it was just like, this makes total sense to support people in it because we recognize that, you know, as you rightly point out, there's so much vulnerability to step into this space and like, we'll support you to the best that we can and listen to you and form more things. So you feel like, you have more tools, I guess, in order to how to express yourself, feedback and hold space for others. You know, we're not taught that really, are we? It's kind of like, go on your way when you're an adult, you'll be Mm. fine. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love the um, education piece. I'm big on education. So I love that you're incorporating that into the, into the platform itself. And um, I'm just mindful of time, but I'm curious, how has things changed over the COVID period? Have more people been interested in in this type of service um yes so we have um continued we've had such a continued support from our community which is amazing i think especially in the beginning a lot of people was like oh i'm gonna do the apps i have lots of time now i'm not doing anything else and then it was like 
okay, just because I had more time, it didn't mean that the experience was much different. And mm. um, so then they were like, okay, I'm ready to have conversations with people where I can have meaningful conversations. So this is something that became more and more important throughout this, you know, always, but also when we haven't been able to meet friends and we haven't been able to be out and about, they wanted to have meaningful conversations at home. And um, so this is something that we can facilitate. And what I really have seen a huge shift, what I am so thankful for, you know, it was so many people, especially in the beginning um, of Corona here and um, to show our love for the NHS, uh, the country on a Thursday, if I don't, I uh, hope I'm not misspoken there. I believe it was Thursday, uh, Thursday evenings at like 7 or 8 p.m. Um, everyone went outside to, to clap for the NHS. So once that became a movement in the UK, people started asking about this. I would really love to know whether the person that you're going to introduce me to clap for the NHS or not? <laughs> What's their attitude? So, and I was like, oh, this really made my soul smile. You know, conversations went much more towards, are they, I want to meet someone who's kind. I want to meet someone who, you know, they may not be perfect in holding space, but they kind of recognize that sometimes life can get tough. And how are they amongst that people then, you know, friends and family and colleagues or anyone that they would, you know, um, come in contact with. Mm -hmm. So the conversations have very much shifted from how tall people are to are they kind? I would love yeah. to know whether they clap for the NHS. And I was like, yes, let's let's um, let's ask people um, about that. So it's a real shift more towards like, you know, like the human aspect. Like, how mm. are they? How are we really? And can we speak about we actually have that as a question? Um, how in, you know, how are you in being able to communicate your emotions? So it's not again to catch people out, it's just to understand like where where are they? Are they feeling comfortable? And lots of people was like, yes, I can speak about it, but I'm not as comfortable as I would like to be. And this is also showing a willingness towards being able to hold space when life can get, you know, what we have experienced in the last 12 months or so mm. that, you know, it changed a lot of people's lives. And it was like, oh, shit, lots of things are happening. And they want to meet people who can recognize that and hold space for it and not kind of laugh it away or ignore it or... um yeah. Yeah, that's so lovely that there's been a shift from, you know, away from physical appearance of like how tall they are, what color is their hair, how big are their breasts or whatever it might be to like, are they, a, you know, what's their personality like? Are they a human being? Like, can they hold space? Are they emotional? Are they vulnerable? And I, I think that's a um, a positive shift, particularly with the, the way the whole dating game has kind of, you know, headed in that appearance oriented direction. Um, it's nice to kind of hear that there's a bit of a swing back in the opposite way uh, where people are like, you know, paying more attention to the human being behind the physical appearance. So that's really lovely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending an hour um, sharing about Taylor Matched and for, yeah, just being open about the process behind it. And uh, I really appreciate the work you're doing. Sounds like you're doing some amazing work. So thank you so much for spending an hour just having a chat. Oh, thank you so much for having me. No worries.